You are listening to the Magnetic Marketing Marketing Secret Gold Members Only Podcast. Okay, question is columns. Um, uh, guys like Joe, like Joe Sugarman, who you mentioned, have a very um, sort of set in their ways approach to doing ads. And uh, that's okay. That's just like what we're doing here today. It's really a way to shortcut the process. So over the years, he's arrived at two or three formats that have been reliably productive for him. And now for the sake of speed, he will force fit anything and everything into one of those three formats. More often than not, he's going to be fine. Um, and, and, and so all that makes sense. Um, in direct mail, uh, columns make no sense whatsoever, when, obviously, when you're trying to look like a letter. Um, for enclosure pieces, perhaps, article reprints, testimonials in columns, that sort of thing, fine. Um, in ads, uh, you, you know, you've got to decide whether you're going to mimic the look of the publication, uh, whether you're going to mimic like a Sugarman format or a Cosman format, which by all means you could do worse, um, uh, or whether you're going to go with a letter look where the ad has no columns at all. Uh, one is not necessarily superior to, uh, to the other. Um, old saying, form has to follow function. Um, if I'm doing a full-page ad, for example, I will write all of the copy first before I'll even think about format. Now, Joe would probably pick one of his three formats and write to fit with that format in mind. Doesn't make him wrong, probably doesn't make me wrong, might make him a little faster. Um, uh, so if you're looking for shortcuts, it's a valid shortcut. Uh, photographs. Skipping a page. If you're going to use them, uh, for the most part, you ought to have a reason. Yes, sir. On the same page, on the music, you say keep the person reading in front of his Oh yeah, that's just the um, um, you know the Godfather movie where he's in the kitchen um, emoting. Every time I try and get out, they pull me back in. Uh, that's exactly the response that you want out of your reader. It is every time they try and get away, you grab them and suck them back in. And, 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 and as you look at your finished piece, you kind of have to have a sense of where they might start to wander. And then you've got to do something to drag them back in. It might be graphic. It might not be graphic. Uh, photographs. If you're going to use them to have a reason, don't just use them for the sheer heck of it. Uh, photographs that tell a story uh, are usually the best. Um, I'm going to show you, uh, uh, one of the things I'll show you later is a U.S. gold letter from Go by the Inch. And, and, and again, the, pho the photograph that was highly effective for us because all the leads were coming from TV was a photograph of him on the set on the TV show, exactly what they saw on TV. Much better than a headshot because that immediate identification for them. Uh, curiosity photos. Yeah, they, they can work. It's like the, the Bud Weckheser opportunity ad with the weird woman with the bee mask. What is this woman doing uh, to make all this money? Uh, headshots, for the most part, uh, are the least interesting, the least useful. Um, they are um, they're valid if you're trying to establish the person as an author, because people are used to seeing that done for authors or if the person is capable uh, 
of really delivering a face that in and of itself tells a story. Uh, and this is worth a look at. Go to, um, in your book, go all the way back to uh, quadruple A, A-A-A-A, which is going to be way back in your book. Um, I don't know how far it's going to be back in your book, but it's going to be way back in your book. Now I can't find it now myself, so if somebody finds it, let me know. You got it. Okay, good. Take a look at that guy's picture and read the headline. This picture, and it's even better. Um, Ralph, is Ralph Charlton here? Is Ralph here? Oh, there you are. Um, this is your stuff. Um, uh, I'm sure you're not happy about seeing his face, but that's, you know, neither here nor there. This is one of those clients who has gone awry. Um, but, you know, this is for a uh, how to kill people with your bare hands course. And if you look at this guy, he looks like somebody who would kill somebody with his bare hands. <laughs> I mean, the picture, and, in, uh, and the Xerox doesn't even do it justice. I mean, the picture is just perfect for what's being pitched. I don't know, accident, Ralph, or did you guys take 12, 12 zillion shots to get it, or what's the story? Good decision, because I mean the picture is just perfect for the pitch, and um, you, and when you can do that, then then the headshot works magnificently. Uh, difficult to do. Um, this Hume envelope, for example, um, they got a headshot here of this guy, and it adds nothing. Uh, the idea of using the photograph's not bad, but they need to rethink what to do about the photograph. It just doesn't do anything. Uh, that photo, in and of itself, does something. Yeah. Well, keep in mind, the vast majority, which you may be on, the vast majority of magnetic marketing users are small business owners. And they are marketing repetitively in a local market area. Uh, and so it's a sense of brand identity. Um, and that format is fine, but now again, give some thought to the picture. So if possible, let's make the picture work for us, not just be a picture. Okay? Yes. Okay. Um, yep. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, product photos is essentially the question. Um, Product photos work for you if the photo conveys uh, massive value. So if there's a lot of stuff um, or if and or uh, it looks like it's worth a lot. So in information, it's got to be a lot of stuff and now you've got to package it better than you might do under ordinary circumstances just to support the photograph. In other types of product, um, 
like I did a campaign for a client that sells a, um, uh, a, a, a $3,000 $3, coffee maker. Um, as, you, as you might imagine, this is a difficult pitch. Um, but, but this thing is magnificent. You know, it's two parts and it's gold and bronze and the water flows from one side to the other and it was invented by the Prince of Bavaria and some, you know, it's some story. Uh, and it's on a gold thing and, uh, you know, the picture is almost necessary to sell that product because it's hard, no matter how good a copywriter you are, to describe a coffee maker in a way that would make somebody you want to part with $3,000. Uh, but it's like the Mercedes, you know, of coffee makers, and it looks it. So the picture's almost essential. Um, but, like, a lot of the information products that we sell look like nothing. So putting them in a picture doesn't help you any. Uh, you know, and you've got to think that through. Um, um, person versus wife, husband, kids, dog... Um, uh, in most cases, person with wife or husband, dog, kids, works better. Um, uh, we all know better, but it's neither here nor there. People with dogs and kids are trusted more than people without dogs and kids. Um, and Nixon's checker speech lives on today. Um, uh, even our troubled president bought a little bit of time by going and getting a dog. Um, <laughs> then, then they neutered the wrong one. Um, um, can you imagine a dog walking around saying, I was behaving myself, I'm not doing nothing. They come get me, look at him. Why don't they get him? The dog. Um, um, confused, the dog's almost as confused as Gary Hart. Um, then the... Um, uh, you're getting it. You're, you're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, you're getting paid. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, where do you put the photos? Um, again, there are formats. You know, there is, as she mentioned, there's, Sugarman's got two or three very specific formats. Fallheimer type ad mirrored his. Um, uh, Joe Kosman, if any of your students of Joe Kosman, he's got like four formats. Use one of these. Uh, the, again, these are shortcuts. And, and, and not, I wouldn't argue with using them. Uh, they diminish the amount of time you've got to give to making decisions. And in a percentage play, they're right. Um, uh, when you're running magazine ads, though, one thing to think about is uh, what do all the other ads look like? Uh, and so if you're in a magazine and there's a whole slew of ads that have a picture at the top, you probably don't want to put a picture at the top. Uh, if there's a whole slew of ads that have a picture at the bottom, you probably don't want to put a picture at the bottom. Um, you don't want to blend. You want to stand out. Um, sometimes a good technique to use is to take the picture, cut away all the background so that the picture stands out without a frame around it and no background. There's just a person standing there or the person next to the Mercedes is standing there um, or the befores and afters are there. Um, it, look at what everybody else is doing and then one of the easy things to do is to use photography, photographs in your ads to differentiate yourself from the other ads. Uh, you can have the thing stick up above the headline. You can wrap the headline around it. 
Um, there's dozens and dozens. And again, as you build your swipe files, uh, watch magazines for layouts that strike you. Has, uh, they catch your attention. Uh, they stand out. But they don't, they're not so weird or creative, they detract from the message, they, that they draw you to the message. Clip them, put them in the swipe file. Now when you're looking for a way to, to make the ad look different, uh, you, you've got eight or ten ideas there to draw from. Yeah, I saw a hand over here. Yeah. If you develop pictures necessary, because you're a, a seminar leader, an author, somebody selling a business opportunity that may be your picture would add some credibility. Would you use a current picture versus a picture that's more glamorous that could be five years old or 30 pounds lighter? The question is, um, if you're going to use your picture, would you use a current one, or would you use one that's five years younger and therefore more flattering? Uh, I've often said in our business, um, within the National Speakers Association, that I don't know how meeting planners ever manage to pick any of the speakers up at the airport. Because um, uh, in most cases, they're going to have to go back in time. Um, um, there, there's one very, very well-known woman speaker who's using a photo that is at least 30 years old. I mean, this picture, it might even be a picture of her daughter. I'm not sure. But it ain't her. Um, not even in bad light after... Um, uh, I, I think it's a real problem if you're going to come face-to-face -face with your customers. I mean, all kidding aside, to use your scenario, if you're a seminar leader... And, uh, and, and you run a picture of when you had twice as much hair as you do now and, and, and it wasn't all gray and you were 10 pounds lighter, um, you, maybe it helps you initially, maybe it doesn't, but it creates a whole other problem for you later. Now, if you're never going to come face-to-face -face with a customer, now your options are wide open. Uh, and in fact, in some cases, you might not even want to use your own picture. You might want to use a professional model picture. Uh, well, what the hell, if you're going to go, you know, if you're going to make yourself five years younger, you might as well make yourself look, you know, like uh, Tom Cruise. Um, um, uh, you could use a stock photo, you know, and by the way, a lot of people do. There's a lot of ads out there that, that essentially have uh, uh, um, uh, made-up names and, and made-up pictures. Uh, so it's not uncommon. Um, I think, generally speaking, it's best to be authentic with your market. And that doesn't just govern the photograph. That governs uh, uh, your story, um, uh, what you reveal about yourself. I think when you are in a person-driven business, where you're not a corporate institution, but they're buying from you, uh, and you're building that relationship, then the more authentic you are with them, the better, uh, because they get so little of that anyplace else. Um, and, and, and to the degree that you reveal warts. Um, uh, also, I think better to, just as an aside, better to reveal that stuff in your marketing story than be having it found out and apologizing for it later. Um, uh, it, it just saves you a lot of aggravation. Um, for example, um, it, it prob it's probably in virtually every one of my books, and most every speech I give, I make the point about having gone bankrupt. Um, it, 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 there's really two reasons for including it. One is it always sells the product. 
There, there's always some people who come up and talk to me afterwards or send me a note or something who that resonated with them because they either have or are in the middle of going through some horrible financial trauma. And, and, and so there's identification factor there. The second thing is I never, ever have to explain it uh, if, if somebody finds out about it because I already told them. Um, uh, you know, it gets tougher, like if you're, like if you're Bob Allen and you go bankrupt and everybody finds out you never owned a piece of real estate. Um, and you got the number one best-selling book in the history of the world on how to buy real estate. Uh, that's a little tough to explain away. Uh, and it would seem to me, you know, buy 500 bucks worth of raw land. But, um, but, but I think in general, you're better off not hiding anything. You're, being very, you're better off being very real and, uh, and actually using... Uh, like right now, we're having an argument at Guthy Ranker uh, about a particular show where the person to be interviewed on the show, the, the product person, is uh, 77 years old. And, and, and he looks it. Uh, and he also looks a little weird, you know, which at 77, he's got a right to look any damn way he wants, is what I told him. And, you know, he's got this weird square-cut kind of funny beard. And, and so the argument is, is the public going to react to, you know, he's too old, he's outdated, should we make him younger, should we dye his hair, should we cut the beard, should we, you know. And uh, my argument is we've got to leave the guy exactly the way it is, and now we've got to figure out a way to use that, you know, and capitalize on it and build the story around it. Uh, let's see, what's our next shoot here? What's next? Um, grabbers, gimmicks, everybody knows about grabbers. Um, I'm going to mostly skip it. I'll just say one thing quickly. I listed money grabbers here, but anything can be attached to a sales letter to, um, uh, to call attention to it and to keep somebody from tossing it and to get them to read it. Uh, that's what grabbers are all about. Um, uh, money objects are used a lot. <laughs> Uh, but uh, uh, we've done campaigns where we've used little packets of aspirin, little packets of Tums, little plastic bags with sand in it. Um, here's a piece of the beach. Um, uh, the biohazard one that came in the big bag. Um, I'll show you somebody. In fact, they're here because it's their stuff. I'll show you tomorrow somebody who copied it and managed to foul that up. Um, <laughs> I mean, they stole it and managed to follow it up. Um, uh, in high trends, I've had people send out watches, real watches, um, uh, um, um, candy bars, candy bar wrappers, on and on and on. Um, but here's the most interesting thing I can tell you about grabbers and why you ought to spend some time on this issue, is that it can help you backwards. Meaning, the grabber can suggest the campaign. Yeah, I know you got a whole box full of them. I know, I know, I know. I know you are. I know you are. Plus, you spend money on it, and you, I know. Um, it, it can give you the idea, and and ultimately, what this is all about is the idea you're going to build the whole pitch around. And so, the little bag of aspirin can suggest to you a campaign. The availability of the, of the money mint can suggest a campaign. The biohazard bag suggested the campaign. 
I didn't think of the campaign and then go look for the bags. I found the bags and said, hmm, interesting that these are, you know, is there, does this suggest anything here? Is there a way to use these? And so shopping for those kind of items can drive you to the creative you need for a great pitch. Uh, and that's why you ought to pay attention to them. Uh, the second thing that I'll tell you is there's fairly reliable testing uh, in little businesses as well as with big companies to indicate that they almost always earn their keep in increased response. Um, very hard uh, not to justify the expense uh, of a grabber attached to a piece. Um, I have one client, by the way, in uh, New York, financial, uh, in, in a financial business, uh, this will interest um, Heatley, um, he's using uh, $100 bills, real $100 bills. As grabbers on now, he ain't mailing a lot of them, um, but the same as the dollar. You know, as you can see, I've attached a. But in this case, as you can see, I've attached a hundred dollar bill to this letter. I've done this for three reasons. Um, uh, and um, he's using it to secure appointments. Fortune 1000 CEOs and uh, the the the, av the average percentage over the last six months has been 80 percent. Um, uh, so if he sends out ten letters, he gets eight appointments. Um, I do. I'm not here, but I do. It's not a very complicated letter. Uh, and the opening is exactly as I just dictated. As you can see, I've attached a $100 bill to this letter. I've done this for three important reasons. Um, famous, yes? Happens. Um, um, it may account for the 20%. <laughs> um, uh, pretty in a business-to-business -business environment, pretty risky, though, don't you think? If if I if if I'm a receptionist or a secretary in that environment, I got to think twice before I do it on the assumption that whoever sent it might follow up, and I might be asked about it. Um, but you know, if it happens, so what? Now, if we had 10% secure appointment rate, then that'd be something to worry about. But at 80%, if it does account for the other 20%, then we hope whoever's stealing is needy. Um, uh, famous people. Uh, underused uh, strategy can really help your copy. Um, obviously, we do it a lot in television. Um, not a lot of people do it in print. More people should. Uh, mostly people don't do it because they think it's too expensive or they think it's too complicated to get done. Neither one of those things are true. There is a long, long, long list of um, what I call love boat ce celebrities, um, meaning those who, if love boat were on the air, they'd be one of the guests this week. Their careers are not exactly flourishing, um, and in many cases they're in the twilight of their television or movie career, but they are very well known to a large segment of the marketplace. They're very useful to you unless you're marketing to Gen Xers, um, who may not know them from Adam. But, but otherwise, they're very useful. Uh, many of them are readily available. And uh, print campaigns, you know, you want to use their picture, uh, their autograph, a little paragraph, a copy. 
uh, and you want to use it in uh, direct mail, you may be able to get somebody of that ilk in the ten dollars to $15,000 a year range uh, for unlimited use. There's also a long list of athletes uh, in the same category. Uh, they're not currently performing athletes. Um, you know, you're not going to get Troy Aikman's not affordable. Uh, but uh, Roger Staubach's affordable. Um, uh, so uh, this is an underused thing. And just as they typically give us a bump in TV, they typically give us a bump in print as well. Um, I would encourage you to think about it uh, in many cases. Uh, let's get through the PS and the offers before we take a stretch break. Yes. Yes. I, um, if you send a little packet of aspirin, can you, I, you well, I mean, obviously these days you get sued for everything. Uh, if you're really concerned about that sort of thing, you should be carrying advertising liability insurance, and then you should go talk to your insurance agent. Um, I have seen some people with those kind of objects putting little disclaimers underneath the package of aspirin, so that when you tear it off the letter, there's a thing there, you know, not to be much, I mean, by the way, your box of brownies, Wait till the first person chips a tooth and sues you. Um, you know, there's, there's liability issues with everything we do. Um, uh, the packets themselves, of course, have warnings and instructions and stuff printed on them. It, it never even really occurred to me before, and I'm litigation sensitive. So, um, But if it's a concern of yours, then don't do it or talk to your insurance agent. Okay? Uh, PSs. Uh, I, everybody knows they're extremely important. Don't need to tell you that. Uh, multiples work better than singles. If you're doing threes, uh, there ought to be a reason for the order. Um, and the middle one will typically be read by more people than all of them, and it will often be read first. Uh, those may be things you didn't know. Uh, believe it or not, there are actually people who do testing and figure all of this out. Um, um, so you want to differentiate your PSs uh, in many cases. You may want to call attention to one over the other. You may want to emphasize one over the other, or you may want to capitalize on the fact that the middle one. Uh, this is the same psychology, by the way. Start watching all your fundraising mail. Uh, increasingly, the fundraising notices now where they give you a choice of dollar amounts to give them, they're putting in a high amount in the middle instead of at the right end. Start to watch it. So it'll be, send us $10, $20, $100, $50, $40, $30. They're putting 100 in the middle instead of at the end because they're getting more hundreds by doing that. Same kind of psychology. Um, so you may want to differentiate. Uh, you use your PSs to possibly restate the promise or restate the offer uh, to highlight certain things usually either the bonuses, the discount, or a change in the offer, the installments, the price, the financing, some change from the previous letter you sent them and this letter if you're doing sequences. Um, offers. Um. Here's the stuff to think about, the short list to be most concerned about when you build your offers. 
obviously, first of all, what, what's the core product? What is it that we are selling? Yes, sir. I saw, I saw this. Uh, I, I, I can't imagine under what, and I happen to know who he is, that we're talking about. First of all, I can't imagine what empirical evidence he has of this. And since he didn't cite any, I would assume he has none. Uh, beyond that, uh, the particular person you're quoting uh, is largely an idiot. Um, um, uh, 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 <laughs> uh, which, about how big an idiot or about who, yeah. Um, you know, just because they get published in the trade journals doesn't mean they, you know. Um, um, anyway, huh? He already's got a pen. Um, besides, he's, not, he's got, using a laptop anyway, you know. This is a little nerd guy over there plugged into the wall. <laughs> Um, um, so, core product, what are the complementary items, uh, how do you bust it up, a lot of parts, few parts, uh, how are you going to describe what it is, does the thing have a name, is it the something something system, um, um, is it the something something library, uh, every item in, an, in a package ought to have its own name, why, because it gives you an opportunity to use titling and headlines for each item. Um, building up the value, very important. I'll show you lots of examples of value build, um, but the, the, the issue, of course, is to create as high a value as you possibly can that you can make believable so that you can discount from it. Uh, and the easiest way to build value is with lots of parts because you can assign price slash value to each part. The fewer the parts you have, the harder it is to build up the value. So in most cases, you want to bust this thing up, whatever it is you're selling, into as many parts as is humanly possible so you can create this huge value build, as we'll, say in, as we'll see in many of the exhibits. Um, basic deluxe or some variation thereof. Uh, in many cases, uh, a two-choice sell um, will either increase your response over a yes-no because they get into choosing one or the other rather than making a yes-no decision. Um, also, it will almost always improve your overall economics. Uh, because if I, I'll catch it. I was just going to get there. Uh, because in, um, in many cases, most cases even, the majority of your buyers will choose the higher-priced option. Um, and if you've got a control that you want to beat you may not beat it by changing a word of copy other than figuring it out, out a way to add a B option to a single option sale that is a higher priced option and has some kind of a deluxe or premium um, uh, characteristic. Um, I have one client who uh, two years ago now, they sold a continuity program, essentially a tape of the month product. And uh, we, we simply, uh, I didn't really change a lot of their copy. I used a lot of their old copy from their control piece, but we went to a regular and a deluxe version of the same program. The deluxe priced eh, roughly 60% more than the basic, I think, and their renewals that year, we renewed roughly the same number they renewed the previous year before, but we brought in a whole lot more money 
because nearly 70% opted for the more expensive uh, package. Uh, Victor asked, what about three choices? Sometimes uh, you have to start to gauge the sophistication of the market, the determination of the market to make decisions, um, and whether you can push the price uh, uh, in that direction. Uh, the, m the more choices you add beyond two, I think the greater risk you run of no decision being made at all. Um, uh, and certainly when you start to get into four, five, and six. Now, there's one exception to that I'll tell you about in a second. But in your primary offer, when you start to ask them to make choices out of multiple choices, um, it, it, with most groups of people, you're going to have problems. Um, yeah, it, 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 personally, uh, I don't ever want to be, you know, in a theater with more than two fire exits. Because, um, you know, none of us are getting out alive. That's just too much for people. Do I go south, north, east, west? I don't know. Um, so most of the time when you do your testing, you're going to find two is best. If you want to press it, if you've got a control that works with two, then test a small segment with a third, even higher priced sale. Um, the one exception to that is there are some people who have very deliberately created a third, very high-priced option with the intention of no one taking it, uh, but to further cause them to take the, the second one, the middle one. Um, it's an interesting technique. Uh, personally, I've never used it, but I've seen it used. Um, I wouldn't do it as my we're out of the gate opportunity, but if I had an opportunity to play and test, maybe. Um, the exception to this rule would be in selection of bonuses. When we get to premiums on this list, often a choice of premiums is better than stating the premiums. And again, you'll see this in the newsletter business more than you see it anywhere else. You'll see here's 10 bonus books you can choose from. Pick any four. Um, uh, it's not their primary offer. It's their bonuses. And so, again, it's Joe's word was involvement. Um, it distracts them from a yes-no decision. Uh, I've seen it work as controls with the bonuses. I wouldn't do it with the primary items. Um, yes? Usually, and the question is, lead generation offering a choice of reports, uh, usually a mistake. Um, what that would indicate to me more often than not is that you, don't re you really don't have a message to market match. Um, you're kind of floundering around. Now, if you're doing it as marketing testing, uh, but on an ongoing basis, it doesn't make sense. Um, Add-on options. Uh, if you're looking for added profit centers um, in the direct response business, this is a place to get them. Um, that's why catalog companies charge for express shipping. They charge for gift wrapping. Um, uh, more and more of them, you will find them. That it's a cute little wrinkle in the mail order business. You'll find catalogs where there's a dollar or a two dollar or a three dollar extra charge on the order form for insured delivery. And if the thing doesn't get there, we'll replace it. Well, they got to do that anyway. That's a hundred percent profit. Uh, and everybody that checks that off and gives them the extra two bucks or the three bucks, uh, that's a profit center that's 100% profit. Uh, most businesses have an opportunity for this sort of thing. 
uh, you want to look for it. Obviously, part of your offer has to be how they pay you, options of payment. We talked about that some earlier. And you may want to do both bonuses tied to the offer, bonuses tied to the basic, different bonuses tied to the deluxe, and bonuses to encourage fast response. So you may have three different categories of bonuses that you are dealing with. Uh, we presumably need to take a quick break. Come back. We're almost done going through the notes. Then we're going to get into exhibits. Uh, let's try and do this in 15 minutes, please. It is 25 of, so 2015, 10 of. Hello. Okay, if you would, skip over one, two, three pages to what is supposed to be session two. And um, talk about some writing specifics and hopefully get into some exhibits here fairly quickly. Here are the, um, the five things I think you have to be most concerned about um, being clear about before you start to write. Uh, and the first one is understanding who you're writing to. Um, and I mean really understanding that person. Uh, I have ten smart questions about that. I'll show you in a second. But uh, that's why marketing in a niche from whence you came is the easiest thing to do. Because you are one of them and you understand them. So the magician here who's selling to other magicians, the pipe fitter who's selling to other pipe fitters, see, his job is made easier to start with uh, because of a high level of understanding and empathy with the marketplace. Um, easiest uh, audience for me to write to, uh, and we do a significant amount of business with them each year, are our professional speakers. Uh, see, I, I, don't ha I don't have to do any research. There, I know the language. Uh, there's no, I understand their daily experience, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I are one. Um, and so I don't have a learning curve, uh, and I have, uh, I'm simpatico. Um, if you don't have that, then you have to uh, become an information gatherer and get it. Um, the pros, freelance copywriters, and there are a few in the room, who move uh, from product to product and category to category, uh, what they tend to do over a period of time, as I have done, is it's not that we won't do other stuff, but we tend to gravitate and sort of become specialists in maybe a half a dozen categories and do most of our work there because the difficulty of getting... Uh, in sync with a new market that we don't understand uh, is so great that to do it, to do one project for one client, uh, it doesn't make any sense. Um, and so recognizing that, that pros understand it's that important, uh, it has to be that important to you, and it should not be as difficult for you because most of you will be writing to the will be writing and selling to the same market over and over and over again. Uh, but you really have to understand them inside out. Um, and and there's ten smart questions um, 
that uh, we want to know about who the prospect is. These are not in your manual, but they are in a recent edition of the newsletter, so we won't spend a lot of time on it because you've all got it. You just need to go back and get it. It was maybe a couple of months ago, but here they are. Uh, and, and they're relatively in order of importance. The first thing is basically what keeps the market awake at night? Uh, 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 what's causing their insomnia? Uh, you want to you, you, you want to have a real grip on on what's really bugging them enough that they're losing sleep over it. Um, in most of the healthcare professions today, it's managed care, uh, and everything that's related to managed care, shrinking margins, uh, bureaucrats telling them how they can practice, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, and 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 that's a big lever in getting their attention and in selling to them. So you want to know what's really bugging them. Uh, preferably, uh, they're really afraid of something. And you need to know what they're scared of. Um, uh, because it is, you know, a guy just came up on the break and he said, um, uh, he's healthcare business, um, mag magnetic therapy. Uh, don't be writing, you got them all, guys. They were in the newsletter two months ago. You don't need to write this down. Um, um, all you got to do is go back home and, you know, pull out the newsletter. Um, the, um, you know, you say, well, essentially the question was in the field of magnetic therapy for health, which do you think is easier to sell, magnetic uh, water filters and softeners or um, mag magnetic, uh, you know, back belts and, and, and knee things and so forth? Well, the answer should be obvious. Uh, it's... It's the stuff that cures pain uh, because you have the pain to work with. Say, water, somebody's got bad water, after a while they don't even know it. You know, you become immune to the taste, the smell. It's like, you know, having a cat in the house. You, everybody else could smell it when they walk in, but you can't. So the, the water thing is, is tough. But if somebody's got back pain, uh, which I, I do, believe me, you don't got, you don't got to prove to them they got, with a taste test that they got back pain. They know they got back pain. Uh, if they got arthritis, man, they know they got arthritis. Uh, diagnosis, not necessary. Uh, uh, and, and it's a big issue for them. So what, uh, it, 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 they, they either need to be afraid of something or they need to be suffering from something uh, to make them a receptive group. Uh, and again, part of the job here is to sell to receptive people. And for them to be receptive, they, they really need to be suffering uh, in one way or another. And, and, and we want to know what that's all about. Uh, maybe they're mad at something. That's good. Uh, who are they really, really, really pissed off at? Uh, because now you can take the other side. Um, in selling to insurance people, uh, you sell against the home office because they hate the home office. Everybody at the home office is an idiot, and everybody at the home office is a leech. Uh, uh, taking the three-hour martini lunch, living off them, and the poor reps doing all the work, et cetera, et cetera. So who are they mad at? Uh, because you could play against that. Uh, we want to know uh, 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 what every da the daily experience. What's the really frustrating stuff for them that reoccurs day after day after day after day? Uh, that's important to know because there's no question then that that's fresh in their mind. If it reoccurs every day, we know it's fresh in their mind. Um, you will see an ever-increasing number, for example, of opportunity pitches emphasize the 
the, the one-minute commute, the three-minute commute, the ten-minute commute, the, you know, the whole work-at-home story, uh, because the daily frustration is the traffic. Um, and in some market areas, uh, I think the last stat, I just saw a stat from, from the federal government. God bless them with all the research they do. I can't do it from memory. I have it written down at home. I was going to put it in, in the 50 major markets. In the last uh, 36 months that they've measured, the average commute time has doubled. Uh, uh, now, most of you probably don't commute every day at the same time to the same place. I don't, but people who do, uh, you know, this, this, is, this is a big deal. And, uh, and it drives them nuts every day, and they, and they want to end it. And so it's, it's, it's a major issue. Uh, what, uh, what trends are occurring um, and, and will shortly occur in their businesses and their lives uh, that they may be thinking about, that they may be talking about, that they may be reading about, uh, 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 that may be of concern to them that you can use? Uh, as a general trend issue, by the way, if you're not reading dense stuff, you should be reading Harry Dent's stuff. Um, what do they um, secretly desire? Um, just as there's stuff that keeps them up at night, there's stuff that they really want that they don't voice to most people. Uh, and so what's that? You really got to be inside the psyche of your prospect uh, and, and understand what it is that they really want. Uh, doing focus groups to find this out, by the way, is useless because people won't tell you this in focus groups. Um, they will tell this to you over three beers, um, which I've always wondered why the focus group research people don't do that. Um, I suggested it once and never got a good answer. I said, why don't we, you know, put a jukebox in here and get everybody uh, half, half loaded and, uh, you know, we'll probably get better information. And uh, everybody looked at me like I was from Mars. Um, everybody has, think about yourself. Uh, everybody probably has one or two or three things that they'd love to have happening in their lives or that they'd like to own or that they'd like to be doing or some change they'd make to make in their life that they aren't voicing to anybody uh, and might not want to voice. You need to know that about your market. Um, is there a built-in bias to the way they make decisions? Uh, with many groups, there is. Uh, during lunch, uh, for example, Ron and I were talking about niching his business and you know, he made the comment that that at every, almost every one of his boot camps and some significant number of his customers are engineers uh, and, and some are contractors. And I was talking with him about dentists. Well, engineers make decisions differently than, for example, do us salespeople. Uh, in fact, they're probably diametrically opposed to the way you and I make most of our decisions. Uh, and so if there's a built-in way to, if there's a built-in bias to the way they make their decision, you want to be able to cater to that. Um, and, and you want to be cognizant of it. Uh, you, you, you guys all know the personality style, style stuff probably, which can be taught any one of four or five different ways, but the analytical, the impulsive, the, uh, uh, that stuff is fairly relevant uh, in, in when you are communicating with a particular market. There's biases to decision-making by age group. Uh, people 50 years and up make decisions differently than people 20 years and younger. Uh, the credibility, believability issue is, uh, is age-driven. Uh, do they do they have their own language? Uh, 
most groups, um, uh, when they talk to each other, they talk differently than when they talk to people outside their circle. Golfers have their own language. Fishermen have their own language. Uh, uh, tra frequent travelers, road warriors have their own language. Um, and, and, and so a group almost communicates in shorthand with itself. Um, um, uh, uh, comics, um, uh, uh, professional comedians, uh, 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 communicate. If you've ever been around a group of them, uh, they communicate with each other in punchlines because uh, they, they don't have to tell the whole joke. Everybody knows the joke. Um, and, and, and so they'll talk to each other in punchlines. This is the damnest thing you've ever seen. Um, uh, hypnotists. Uh, I, twice, I spoke twice at the National uh, Guild of Hypnotists. And uh, not only do they have their own language, but I mean, these people, on the breaks, they're out in the lobby hypnotizing each other. That's, that's what they're doing. And see, because they, they each have a different, te there's 522 zillion different techniques and disciplines, you know, and methods for hypnotizing people. There's the hoopy hoopy method and the John Barnes method and the this method, and they're all out there demoing the different methods on each other. Well, if you understand that this is what fascinates them, then you've got to take advantage of that, right? Uh, and most groups have their own language, and you've got to talk the language uh, to be accepted by them. Um, uh, you talk, chiropractors, talk, you talk to them differently than you talk to dentists. Now, 80% of it's the same, but there are certain things you don't dare say, or, or you will blow your uh, credibility with them, your, your uh, trust with them. So you need to know how they talk to one another. Um, and if you're not one of them, you need to hang out with them. And then 9 and 10 are, there's a breaker line there because they're a little bit different. You don't necessarily get this information from them. You get this information elsewhere, but you need this information. Uh, one is, who's selling to them? You know, who's selling to them now? Preferably something similar to what you're selling, and how the heck are they doing it? Doesn't mean they're right, but you ought to at least be aware of what's being done. And who's tried to sell to them and flopped? Um, uh, that's a little harder to get, but it's real useful. Uh, in the infomercial business, for example, uh, we have an archival source uh, of, uh, of every show that's ever run. It's media by, how long it stayed on the air, all kinds of facts about it. And so if I decide to do a show tomorrow uh, aimed at arthritis sufferers, uh, I can go get every show that's ever run that has anything to do with arthritis, how long it was on the air, how much money was spent on airing it, whether it worked, it didn't work, uh, what was written about it. Um, and, and, and I can look for what consistently failed as well as what consistently succeeded. Uh, all of this helps you understand this group of people you're trying to communicate with. Uh, the second thing you need to know before you get started is uh, what promises are you going to make? What are the benefits of the offer, uh, the proposition? Uh, 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 this is a good discipline because it gets people out of features and gets people into benefits. Um, uh, you need to know what benefits you're going to promise, and preferably you ought to have them organized in the order of importance uh, that you are going to deal with them uh, when you write. Uh, next thing you want to do is figure out all the reasons they won't buy from you. Uh, this, is, this is at least as important as knowing why they might buy. Um, why won't they buy? Um, is price going to be an issue in your market, or is it really not going to be an issue? 
Um, are, they, are they not go by because, the, the, see in many cases if we sell marketing to a professional group, some groups are marketing averse, some groups aren't. Um, uh, some groups are going to believe that they have rules and regulations that prohibit them from doing this. Uh, some aren't going to buy because they want the benefits but they're afraid of what their neighbor's going to think of them. Uh, on and on and on. You need to know what, what, why, if you were selling face-to-face -face, uh, to your prospect, uh, what would be the objections, both voiced and, and hidden inside what was said. Uh, because you're going to have to counter every one of these reasons if you're going to do a thorough job. The fourth thing I think you ought to know before you get started is how you're going to prove your case. Uh, what are you going to do to prove each one of your claims, each one of your promises, each one of your benefits, understanding that um, you need a lot of proof. Um, I, I, an awful lot of people write as if they were going to be taken at face value and think that they can make a statement and be believed. Um, those days are gone. Um, and so you're, the smart position to create from is a belief that nobody is going to believe anything you say, that they totally distrust you and are going to seriously question every single statement you make. Um, sometimes we miss, you know, we all miss this. I just, I, I don't think it's affecting a response much, but it's an interesting thing that, that was said to me during lunch. Uh, how many of you got this month's news newsletter before you came here, by the way? Oh, just about everybody. Okay. Um, the, um, the customer appreciation seminar that's next Feb February, that's free. Um, where's, where's Hutter? Where's, where's Chauncey? There, there you are. Um, this is a nice guy, by the way, and he's given me a lot of money. Um, but, uh, 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 but he said to me, you know, he said, I've never distrusted you before. And that pitch bothered him. Because what am I up to? And so he's sitting there trying to figure out Hey, why this is free? What's he going to do to me when he gets me there? You know? And, uh, and, and what that says is there's a distinct possibility that I didn't talk enough about that. Uh, that I should have addressed that more in the copy. Um, and I didn't give enough thought to the reasons why people might not respond to that particular reason. As far as I know, it's not particularly suppressing response, but but still, I probably should have done it. Yes? <laughs> you doubting Thomases, you. Uh, huh? It's free to get in. It's 500 bucks to get out. It's very, it's very, it's, it's very simple. It's very simple. It's, it's, instead of risk reversal, this is enrollment reversal. You pay more the earlier you want to go home. That's, that's the deal. Joe, did you have a hand up? Yeah, that's right. That's good. That's, good. that's, right. that's right. Okay. And, and last, of course, what we just talked about, the offer. You ought to have those things kind of clear in your mind before you start to write. Uh, everything else can come to you. In talking about understanding the customer, um, there's one general thing that is true about all your customers, whatever business you're in, and whoever you are writing to. And um, I think it's one of the greatest phrases 
that I ever heard. Um, and I think we have this whole, I think we have his talk on tape in the master's collection. I'm not sure, but uh, however many years ago it was, John Carlton, who's, who's a wonderful copywriter, uh, worked with Gary Halbert for, for a number of years. Uh, how many of you in here know uh, John? Oh, I'm pretty good. Uh, would you all agree John's even weirder than Gary? Um, John is pretty strange, John. Uh, but, but a brilliant copywriter, particularly in certain categories. And John described the, uh, the uh, typical prospect uh, has a somnambulant sloth. <laughs> uh, it, it says, I mean, that's it, you know. And it's one of those things we should have on a 4 by 6 card, and we should have it up in front of us whenever we write copy, uh, because, I mean, that's it. That summarizes it. Uh, they don't want to do nothing, man. Uh, the truth be known, they don't want to think. They don't want to move. Uh, they don't want to, you know, want to... One of the things that made an enormous improvement in my income was finally getting the idea that people didn't want to learn how to do things. Uh, so you're a, a usual, this is an unusual group, and when you realize it's the cream of the crop of a much larger certain, see, most people don't want to learn how to do it. They want it done for them. Uh, they, 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 they don't want, you know, they, they don't want to have to work at it. Uh, they don't want to have to master any new skills. They don't want to have to go anywhere. They don't want to have to go get their checkbook and write out a check. They don't, uh, they don't want to do nothing, man. Nothing. They, no, it's just more obvious in your customers. Um, but, um, uh, yeah, well, um, and so, you know, there, there are people, people who run around talking about how, how people want to change. No, 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 most people don't want to change. And, and they don't want to work at anything. Um, some years back, we had an infomercial on in the weight loss category, Guthy Ranker, Kathy Smith weight loss show, and we were running opposite the Richard Simmons deal a meal show. And Richard kicked our butt from here to Mars and back. And uh, everybody sat around trying to figure out why this was. I said, well, for God, the Kathy Smith show says you got to walk every day, uh, you got to fill out a meal plan in the morning, you got to count calories. You've got to count fat grams. The Richard Simmons Show says you move the blue card to the green slot. <laughs> I like his story better myself, you know? So the picture you should have of your customer is this lumpy thing on a couch, or if you're a business-to-business -business marketer, this lumpy thing in a swivel chair uh, that with, with no muscle tone, a sort of, did, did anybody see the uh, news radio last night? Anybody see the sitcom news radio? Did you see it? Of course. Um, <laughs> of course. Um, well, the little critter guy that runs the radio station uh, was having stress, and so they brought him, you know what a white noise machine is, like to help people sleep? Well, they brought him like this giant white noise machine. It's like huge. And it made white noise sounds, and it made, you know, animal, little bird chirping, and little squirrels. And in a short period of time, this guy was a noodle. He was just completely vegged out as a result of listening to this, and nobody could get his attention, and nobody could get him to do anything. And he was just happy floating. That's your customer. They're just there, jelly. And to get them to do something is a Herculean task. 
far more difficult than getting them to open your envelope and read your letter is now to get them to actually do something. Uh, and so you can't underestimate the task. You really should view your customer that way in the worst possible light in terms of initiative. Um, and, and so you've got to do two things. You've got to overcome that inertia. Uh, your story has to be so powerful, both in terms of the benefits that it holds out to them, and the promise it holds out to them, uh, and, and, and the pain or fear that you create for them not acting. Uh, it's got to be pow powerful enough to overcome that, and you've got to make both responding to you and what they think they're going to have to do after they respond to you as easy as you can possibly make it sound. They want a magic pill. And the further away you get from selling magic beans, uh, the harder the sales job uh, gets. Uh, preparing. Um, here are some good ways to prepare. One is, um, if you can get a pitch that works somewhere else other than print, uh, it's almost as good as a rough draft. So if you sell one-on-one -on -one, uh, or you have somebody in your company who sells whatever it is that you sell and they are really, really good, record their pitch. If you got somebody who's really good on the phone selling whatever it is that you sell, record their pitch. If you got a competitor who's got a really good salesperson, somehow record the pitch. Um, if there's a television show that works selling what you sell, uh, record it. Get it transcribed. Uh, you've got rough draft material. Uh, the guy in the magnetic uh, products business should certainly record the biomagnetic show on TV. Get it transcribed. You've got rough draft material. That show works. Uh, any pitch that works anywhere else can be converted to a print pitch, and it's a shortcut. Uh, and in many cases, um, you are pretty good at selling what you sell, however it is that you sell it. Uh, the control piece that we use, it's not one of the ones in the exhibit uh, that we're going to look at, but the control piece that we use, for example, is a follow-up letter to everybody who comes to the Peter Lowe events but does not buy my stuff. Uh, they get a sales letter. That sales letter is virtually my speech. Um, it is almost word for word the speech and the pitch, exactly as I do it from the stage. Why would I bother creating anything else? It's a million-dollar sales presentation. It works perfectly. It's the same prospect. Why wouldn't I just take that and put it on paper? I don't need to do any more work. All I got to do is pick the subheads, and I got a list. This one, that one, okay. and it's done. See, so this is a great shortcut. Anytime you can do it, uh, learn from your competition. Um, Sometimes you know competition is not always dumb. Uh, sometimes there's some smart competitors out there. Uh, and I'm astounded at how many people don't buy from their competitors and make sure they stay on their competitors' mailing lists. Uh, why on earth you wouldn't do that is utterly beyond me. Uh, cheap education. Uh, comparables. That means people selling to your market, not the same thing, but selling to the market. Uh, because they, uh, their marketing must reflect knowledge about the market just as yours much. Must. So if you sell uh, golf clubs, uh, comparables would be golf training gadgets, golf videos, golf schools, uh, and vice versa. Um, 
E, another type of comparable is different market, but same type of pitch. Like, um, um, you know, like the number one guru here uh, in marketing um, um, uh, hair transplants. Um, and, and it works with the hair transplant industry. Um, Tim Pulse, where are you? Are you up for, are you there? Um, so what's a comparable, not to the same market, but what's a comparable to the hair transplant? Good, yeah, cosmetic surgery, sure. Uh, what's another one? It's not really a comparable because of the price point, uh, but, 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 it, but it's a comparable in the sense of the same customer. Okay? Uh, what's another comparable by, by price point? High fashion, cosmetic dentistry, laser surgery, good. Say, so if you are either he or you are a guy who owns a hair transplant business, not only do you want to pay attention to everybody else in the hair transplant business, but if you've got any brains, you want to pay close attention to everybody that's selling cosmetic surgery, et cetera, et cetera, because it's, it, it's a comparable pitch and you can borrow and steal from them and find good stuff to use, and you can shortcut. Uh, is it possible to find a really good direct response ad for cosmetic surgery that we could rewrite for the hair transplant business lickety-split, or vice versa? Sure it is. That we can't knock off a competitor's ad in our own business, but we can knock off an ad in a completely different business, and never the twain shall meet. So it's a shortcut. Historic. Uh, everything old is new again, it all keeps recycling, it's all reusable, and so old stuff is gold. Um, I, I use a lot of old ads, 1950s, 1960s, 1940s, 1930s. Uh, all you got to do is update the language. The ad's perfectly usable, but the language is old. Uh, the gender stuff, of course, is all old. Uh, but that's minor rewrite stuff. Um, if you haunt used bookstores, uh, for example, as you should, or if you've got a, a grandparent or an uncle or an aunt, chances are they've got a whole bunch of old magazines in their attic or their basement. Uh, get them. <laughs> uh, and get the direct response ads for your swipe files. Uh, because most of them you'll be able to rewrite uh, and you'll be able to use just as if they were a rough draft done for you. Uh, stuff within your own market uh, is the uh, fifth category. If, when we do research... Here's, your, um, here's the places to go do research. Uh, and I'm going to show you my little short list of uh, favorite stuff at the bottom. Yes? Could you explain back to your point about reusing your selling script to people who went to the Peter conference but didn't buy? I would have thought that those are dead prospects. Oh, no, 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 no. Because now you have to think about, see, the only change you have to do to the pitch, here's the change you have to do. You have to think about why they didn't buy, okay? And let's assume it wasn't me, an assumption I would dearly like to make. So let's, let's assume I'm good, okay? Because we ain't going to fix that anyway. So let's assume that I'm okay. Why wouldn't they buy? Well, one is they left. They never heard the pitch at all. That's like the big reason in that environment. Now, the ones who stayed, why wouldn't they buy? Well, think about it, huh? Money. Who said money? Yeah, they've, they're spent out. They've been there. Think about who's had a whack at them. You know, have you, you, you been to one of those events? Ziggs had them for two hours. 
He's as good as anybody selling from the front of the room in the business. In some cases, Brian Tracy's had him. In other cases, Tommy Hopkins has had him. Peter's had a shot at him. The nutrition guy has a shot at him. Sometimes there's another guy who's had a shot at him. Uh, and by the way, always remember this, a buyer is a buyer is a buyer, a non-buyer is a non-buyer is a non-buyer. So the best buyers are the ones that have bought all day long, but they may be spent out. They got two arm loads, man. They, they promised their spouse, I'm not going to spend more than 300 bucks. They, when they left the house, they promised their spouse, I'm not going to spend anything, and they spent 300 bucks. Okay? One way or another, they're spent out, money. Why, oh, why else? I'm going to, I bought from Poetic, so I, know, I wasn't completely convinced that it was going to work for my product. Okay. Okay, so you did not buy at the event. You walked it, you, you just stay for the whole thing? Yeah. And I didn't get you. No. Okay? Because you weren't convinced it worked for your deal. Right. right? And so now you got the letter, and you read the letter. Maybe you had more time to think about it a little bit, exactly. and you bought from the letter. Exactly. Okay? So another reason is they just didn't get it the first time they heard it. In case you, for those of you who haven't been there, presentation's a little quick. <laughs> um, um, I, you know, I inhale twice. Uh, very good. Fatigue factor. Man, they just wore out. You know, if they got there for, I mean, they've been there since dawn, you know, plus the commute. And in training, we used to say, you know, mind will only absorb what the butt will endure. Well, you know, it's worse when you're trying to sell to them. They've been sitting on a bleacher, bad sound, bad light, et cetera, et cetera. Why else? Those boards are on the table. Huh? Oh, yeah. Guy goes to buy. There's 200 people in line. He wants to get out of there. The person with him. So, see, there's a whole list, right? So now, the only thing we do to change the piece is I'm sending you, I'm writing to you. I don't remember the exact, but essentially, early in the letter, it says, I'm writing to you because you didn't buy. A whole lot of other smart people did, but you didn't. And there's probably X number of reasons why you didn't. And then you answer them, and you lay down the pitch, right? Okay. Um, okay, research sources. Jump down to the bottom to the six items. Um, how many of you own, I don't tell everybody about these, by the way. How many of you own Dartnell's uh, greatest direct mail uh, sales letters? All right. If you want a shortcut, you need to, I don't sell it, so relax. But if you, and there's, there's, there's a newer edition than mine, but if you want a shortcut, in fact, there's two volumes, I think. I don't know if I have the second If you want a shortcut, here's a shortcut. Okay? In here, by category, we've got um, consumer mail order letters, circulation, meaning subscription and book promotion letters, fundraising letters, business to business, inquiry and lead generating, retail, uh, a whole section of opening paragraphs, a whole section of closing paragraphs, these are from, um, and these are all, this guy's name is Dick Hodgson, and, and he knows his stuff. He does a good job. These are all proven controls that have been collected over the years that have been long-standing controls for their users. These are successful direct mail campaigns. People have tried to beat them, haven't been able to beat them. Uh, th these are good, solid efforts. And what's in here is a reprint of the whole piece, right, the actual direct mail campaign, and then over here, Dick's analysis, essentially, like I'm going to do with you when we get into the exhibits of, hey, look at this. Here's, why, here's how this headline was done. Here's, I interviewed the guy. Here's why he did this. Here's why he did this. This was tested against this. This worked better. Um, and uh, you can live off of knocking these off. Um, I have for many years. Um, the... Um, 
Well, I told you, I don't tell everybody about these things. Uh, for example, the Wall Street Journal two-man letter, which we're going to see showing up in exhibit after exhibit. It's in here. Barron's a favorite widows and orphans letter, um, which in part is in your new insurance stuff, whether you knew it or not, um, it, you know, is in here. Uh, this thing is published by Dartnell. They are in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, there may even be a pound version of it in bookstores now. Yeah, there is. And it comes is there? Well, so now you really I'll see. So I'm antiquated. Okay, great. And, and in bookstores, Michael, can they find it in bookstores? Or they got to get it from uh, Dartnell? Okay. Uh, so you find them in Chicago. Do you know how to call information? Um, believe me, some people call our office and don't know how to call information. Uh, Carla has to tell them how to call information. And we also have people call our office that don't know there's a thing called a library. This is a this is re revolution to some people. Uh, so you can call Dartnell in Chicago, and I don't know how much. You can get that book from Barnes B B N. Great. Okay. Fine. I don't think. Well, mine doesn't have an ISBN number, but 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 the new one must have. Uh, maybe Amazon.com. At any rate, track it down. The greatest direct mail sales letters of all time. Okay. Uh, this is a great cheat resource. It's one of my favorites. Uh, next one on the list is Denny Hatch's Million Dollar Mailings. Looks like this. Huh? Huh? Yeah, this you can find in bookstores. You may not find it on the shelf, but again, they can order it for you. It does have an ISBN number. Um, huh? Yeah, you got the number handy? Yeah, what is it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, give me the number. 215-627-9103. Again, same kind of thing has been done. And Denny Hatch knows his stuff. Same kind of thing has been done. A control campaign, the letter, the envelope, the response device, the brochure, the works, has been reprinted. Okay. along with an analysis of what was done, why it was done, et cetera, et cetera. And there's some for every kind. There's circulation pieces. There's hard product pieces. There's lead generation pieces, okay, et cetera. You can see I got Post-it notes in a zillion different places. Um, uh, if I, like, the, there's a health, like if I'm going to do a health campaign for somebody, well, I want to see what Rodale's doing. Well, the best Rodale controls of the last couple of years are in here. So I got their controls to look at. Okay? This is a great cheat piece. You can rewrite this stuff and live off of this in most cases. Okay? So you want that. Uh, who, who's mailing what and what's working? Those are two newsletters. One is Denny's and the other one is uh, Sid Gross's. I think, huh? Fred Goss, thank you. Uh, uh, these newsletters essentially do what these books do, but on a current basis. They take current controls. Uh, rather than waiting a year or two for them to appear in the books, okay? We will send you those addresses. I don't have them handy, but we will send them to you. Uh, what's next on my list? The Victor Schwab book. If you don't own this, got to have this. This is all, how, how many got this? Very good. Okay, this one we do sell. So um, if you don't have it, it's, it's 20 bucks. It's, make a note on your tape order form or something and uh, we will get them for you. If you do nothing else with this book, it's got the 100 classic best headlines of all time. So you can take right out of here, turn the 100 that are in here into fill-in-the-blank formulas, and you got your first 100. Okay? Um, it, but it's a, it's a worthwhile book to read as well. Victor, great direct response guy. How old is this book? Well, this was published in 62, but 
I know it because there's an earlier edition. This goes back, I don't know, maybe into the 50s. Um, just as valid uh, as it ever was. Um, and um, uh, any, almost any of these headlines, um, again, sometimes the language, here's how a quote, quote, fool stunt made me a star salesman. It's the 27th best headline on the list. Well, you probably wouldn't say salesman today, right? Salesperson, sales professional, etc. You might not say fool stunt. Maybe that's a little dated. Maybe you'd say goofy stunt. Maybe you'd say outrageous stunt. But the formula's there. And if you turn it into fill in a blank, it's how a blank made me a blank. That's the formula. Okay? Uh, real useful tool. I use the list a lot. Well, that's next on the list. Uh, words that sell. I couldn't find my copy of it to bring over here for some reason. Um, but um, how many of you own words that sell? Very good. Okay. That you can get in a bookstore. Real cheap. Uh, essentially, it's a thesaurus, but it's sales words. So, uh, word for order form. There's a whole page of alternatives for order forms. Co uh, 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 contract. There's a whole page of words for contract. Uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, who's the author? Anybody know? Doesn't matter. Book's called Words That Sell. Uh, a couple other things that I use a lot that are not so easy to get. Joe, you probably got some of these you're wanting to unload. Uh, Ted Nicholas's all, is a collection of all his ads. Do you have this in your pile of Ted Nicholas stuff you inventoried? Okay. Uh, if you don't have this and you want this, you can track down Joe. Raise your hand. The, the, the annoying guy. Um, this is, um, um, well, first of all, how, how, how many of have you got this? Okay, good. Um, great shortcut. These are all of Ted's ads, and it's real important to remember he rated them on the backward stars, which tells you how well they worked. Okay? Uh, why the two and three stars and the one stars are in here, I don't know. Uh, I went through and took those out and threw them away. Uh, I kept the, the, uh, the four, five, and six star ones. Why would you want to use a two star one when you got a six star one? I don't understand. Um, uh, that's called, you know, that's called bulk, I guess. Um, but uh, real good for business-to-business -business stuff. Not real good for consumer stuff, but real good for business-to-business -business stuff. Uh, what else have I got? Oh, all those old ads. See, my cheap books, uh, I got about 10 of these divided by categories. This is consumer products. And these are all ancient. Most of them are ancient. Some of them are maybe the 60s and 70s. But most of these are like ancient ads. Um, uh, this one still runs a lot. Free, free, free. Let us send you five bottles of this delightful wine. That's still a current uh, control. And this is 10 years old. Um, but uh, Miracle Hormone makes plants zoom. Um, on and on and on. Um, uh, Royal Jelly, the Queen's Bee Special Food. It's the secret of prolonged life. There's a zillion good sub-subheads sub here. So again, if I'm working on a health ad, I'm going to go look at all the old health ads. And uh, what I'm looking for is an idea, a sentence, a paragraph, a photo caption, because I don't want to create. And, and, and you shouldn't want to either. You want to cut and paste and then smooth it out. But you don't want to create from scratch. It takes too long. Uh, your own swipe files. Um, people have asked me about swipe files. Let's jump to that. Um, uh, I don't know where the swipe file slide went. Anyway. No, that's because I got all this other crap in here. Um, 
Obviously, you build your swipe files up over time. Mine now fill a room. Um, and they become unwieldy, and that's not good. So you've got to weed them. Okay? And, and what you weed out as yours grow is duplicates because stuff do, everybody's recycling the same stuff. So eventually, you've got 10 things you tore out that you liked, but when you lay them all side by side, it's the same ad that nine people have rewritten. Keep one. You, know? uh, you don't need them all. Um, but basically, what you want, obviously, in good swipe files is quality, quantity, diversity, and you want them organized in some way that you can access them a lot. And the way to organize them is to keep subsectioning them. So uh, you may start out with headlines, but then you're eventually going to get headlines for lead generation and headlines for one-step sale. And then maybe you're going to get headlines for consumer, headlines for business to business. Some of it depends on what you do and what you want to accomplish. Um, um, maybe you're going to get long headlines, short headlines. You're going to get them classified by the list I gave you earlier. Flagging headlines all in one place. Okay? Guarantee headlines all in one place. Um, uh, so that you have these swipe files organized in a way that you can easily access them. Uh, but without them, um, you, you really are re I mean, these are just swipe files is all they are that you buy in book form. Um, but, you, but without these, uh, you can't shortcut this process. You have to start from scratch every time or you're relegated to what you have in your head. Now, the longer you do this, the more stuff you got in your head. Um, and, and that helps. Sometimes I can do a promotion without going to look at anything. It's dumps. Uh, but, but not often. Most of the time you need your swipe files. And uh, you may have them also organized by uh, a special report examples and keep eight or ten really good special reports. You may have good follow-up letters. You may have good final notices. You keep subsectioning your stuff so that when you want a particular thing, you can go find a particular thing. Uh, your, swipe mile, your swipe file material can literally come from anywhere, but you certainly want to monitor the magazines your customers read. If you're not monitoring the magazines your customers read, you're not even at, like, square one. Uh, for freelancers, for those of us who freelance, that complicates life. You know, it means, like, at least four or five times a year I work on some kind of a beauty or cosmetic or skincare deal, so i got to read Cosmo, you know, and, I gotta, and other magazines of its ilk. Uh, so every month I get to read Amy Kurtz's agony column, you know. And, but, but, but mostly I'm looking at the ads, right? I mean, you don't have to read the content. For, I read that because it's funny. But for the most part, uh, you want the ads. But you've got to read what they read. Uh, then you obviously got to read the advertising trade journals uh, 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 because you'll find that kind of stuff in there, examples and case histories. Uh, you've got to read the tabloids because the best direct response copywriters in the country write for the tabloids. So you've got to read the tabloids. Uh, you pretty much got to look at all the advertising in USA Today, the direct response advertising in USA Today. Um, uh, and from there, uh, the, the list gets uh, a narrower, maybe, depending upon what it is that you do. Yeah, Joe. Oh. Huh? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, in fact, it, it's, it is W, it's papertiger.com, isn't it? I mean, if somebody wants to. Yeah. Um, well, there's all kinds of organizational systems out there. Um, and 
if you're going to maintain the actual swipe file by computer, you're going to need a scanner. Um, uh, but uh, you really ought to be to the point in about six months of serious application where when you're ready to write a new sales letter or a new ad, you can construct it out of your swipe files. You can find your headline there, you can find your subheads there, you can find your opening paragraph there, you can find your closing paragraph there, you can find your guarantee copy there, uh, you can find your big idea there. Um, and so it's important to have these things. Um, I think I'm going to jump to exhibits is what I think I'm going to do. Um, what time is it? It's 10 of 4, and we are supposed to finish at 4.30. Yeah. Um, well, go back to uh, after chief legal issues. There's a page that says sample of PowerPoints promotion, probably eight or ten pages back. As soon as you get into the exhibits, we're going to go to the exhibits in just a second. But let me tell you the last shortcut. This is not in your manual, but this is um, this is sort of a summary of how to do this fast. Um, the first time I went and uh, spoke, I never heard it expressed this way until now, but it, it, the first time I went and spoke at um, the first of Gary Halbert's $7,000 per person seminars. Uh, anybody here been at one of those? Nobody, huh? Oh, one, okay. Um, well, Ron, you'll remember that when, when we do the hot seats, um, which we'll do some of those tomorrow as part of the lab work. Uh, Gary's format was he, he had, I don't know, 20 or 30 of us quote, quote, experts there, and he would pick four or five of us that were relevant to that particular person's hot seat, bring us up into chairs, bring the person up, and the person would show their stuff and talk about their deal, and Gary would take a nap. And um, I literally, he's got his eyes closed. I know he's not listening. I think he's sleeping. And, um, and he may very well have been. And I said to Carlton, I said, isn't this like a problem? You know? And uh, John leaned over and said, it doesn't make any difference what the person says. Gary's only got 12 clicks on his dial. And he's going to fit this into one of those clicks. And lo and behold, one after the other, that's exactly what happened. Now, the good news about all of that, I mean that with no disrespect, the good news about all that is that you only need a small number of clicks on your dial to function as a direct response marketer and as a copywriter for life. You don't need a lot. You need a few. Um, here are, uh, I'm going to show you a quick list of probably half of mine. And then as we go through these exhibits, you're just going to see this stuff over and over again. By clicks on a dial, I mean the things that you're going to do to create the copy. And so these are not in any particular order, but not yet. Uh, oh, yeah, those are the click on the dial sheets. Yeah, pass those out. People might like to have those. Um, uh, these are not in any particular order, okay? Uh, but they're the things I do over and over again. I had to stop and think about it. I don't have a list. I'm going to have a list now. I should have a list. But uh, in my case, they're in my head. But here they are. I mean, and, and if you go back and analyze... All of my work, maybe for the last 10 years, you're going to find 80% of it uses these and maybe another 15 clicks. Maybe I got 30. I'm not sure. But here's 19 of them. Uh, frankly, I'm puzzled. I haven't heard from you. That's the second or the third notice, right? 
uh, and it's every second or third notice. Somewhere early in the second or third notice is the idea, I wrote to you X number of days, X number of weeks, X number of months ago. Uh, I haven't heard from you, parenthesis. I have heard from a whole lot of other smart folks, unparenthesis. Haven't heard from you, and I'm puzzled by that. Okay? Now, the line itself is ancient. I don't know. It's John Caples or somebody like Caples. Uh, but, but there's the idea. What do you do in your follow-up letter? There's your start to your follow-up letter. I wrote to you X number of days, X number of weeks ago. I haven't heard from you. I'm puzzled by all that. And then you're into either there could only be three or four or five reasons why you wouldn't have responded, and then you answer the three or four or the five reasons, or you go back into your pitch. I'm puzzled because this was such a good deal. I offered you a 100% money-back guarantee. I offered you a discount. I offered, okay, so that's one click. Next click is I was skeptical, but yeah, or people not getting paid. Um, short every roll by one. I just want to see what happens. You know, let them fight it out. Um, I was skeptical, but, okay? Uh, it's the way you write copy. It's the way you structure your testimonials. You want at least one testimonial in every grouping that essentially says one way or another, I didn't believe. I was skeptical. I would, but, but it's a version of they laughed when I sat down at the piano until I started to, okay? I was skeptical. But now that I've used his system, now that I drank the water, now that I put the magnet on my knee, this happened. Okay? It's formulaic. What this is not, uh, you find this in almost half of all opportunity ads, but it's useful in all sorts of other advertising, is to describe, it's particularly useful in lead generation, is rather than describing what your magic thing is, you describe what it's not particularly if there are things they will jump to the conclusion of it is not. So Ron in here and maybe one or two other people, for example, sell how to get rich, rich in real estate in one, 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 one way, shape, or form. So the not list is, like in Ron's case, this is, this is, this is not dealing with ugly, nasty bankers. This is uh, not having to max out all your credit cards. This is not having to buy properties and manage them as a landlord forever and ever and ever and a day before you see any money. This is not this, not this, not this, not this, not this, not this. You never describe what it is. Okay? It works, and it works real well in lead generation. Another click on my dial. The grabber line. As you can see, I have attached blank. Why have I done this? For several important reasons. As you can see, I have attached a dead muskrat to this letter. <laughs> why, 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 why have I done this? I have done this for several important reasons. Uh, number one, I found a dead muskrat in the street and decided why the hell not use it. Number two, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean but I mean, over and over and over, we use that a gazillion times. Uh, five and six for guarantees, double guarantee, triple guarantee, we talked about that, and no competitor dares to match this guarantee. Various versions of that. I challenge my competitors to match this guarantee. Any competitor who will match this guarantee in print, I'll donate $500 to XYZ charity. Uh, some variation of that. Okay. The idea of the enemy or the conspiracy, this is very important. This is one of my best clicks. People must believe, if you are selling them something that is going to improve their life, that like they may have heard about before, they must believe that something has been kept from them. That if only they knew that thing they would already be thin or successful 
or happy or rich. Because, see, you can't tell them the truth. Because if they, if they don't believe they were missing something that preferably was hid from them, then the only other reason they're not already rich, thin, famous, happy is because they screwed up. Well, you can't tell them that. <laughs> See? You can't say, look, you lazy bum, I'm not going to tell you anything you haven't already heard before. And it's just a question of whether you're going to get off your butt and do something or not. You're not going to sell anything that way. So they desperately want to believe in some conspiracy against them. So the Susan Powder pitch and weight loss, right? The weight loss industry and men have conspired against you to keep you fat. All right? That's what made the pitch work. Uh, and so this is a great click. Um, and the book uh, to read about all this is The True Believer by Eric Hoffer. If you haven't read the book, get the book. Where do you get it? Amazon.com bookstore. Find it in the street. Something. True Believer. Okay? Uh, the question and answer format. Great format. Okay? Um, uh, easy way to deal with objections, reasons people haven't bought. Uh, quick, easy way to write copy. It's a very good way to write copy. Uh, if you know the questions or objections, or sit down and brainstorm that first. It's a great way to do an outline. Uh, if I went and gave this as a pitch to somebody, what are all the questions they ask me? What are all the objections they raise? And then basically you're going to write two or three paragraphs and answer to each one. It's easy to answer questions and objections. You already know how to do it. Yeah. I, yeah, I would use the testimonials early in the letter. The general answer to you is I'd use it sparingly, if at all. Maybe one or two. Uh, however, having testimonials that match the answers to the objections is a very smart idea. Uh, and you either do it anecdotally as part of the answer, or you go right into the last part of the answer is, uh, and for example, Harry Schwartz, our dealer in Tupelo, uh, wrote and said, and then he answers the objection. Uh, very useful. And I do it right in the Q&A format. Okay. Uh, by the way, people will sometimes go read all the questions and answers before they read anything else, or even if they don't read anything else. Because it's a format that makes sense to people, it's logical, it's organized. Or they'll look for their question or their objection to see if you got an answer to it. Uh, a, a pretty good format. Use, use it a lot. Okay, the story of two men. The Wall Street Journal letter. Can't beat this. And you're going to see it in a lot of the exhibits showing up over and over again, either as the primary structure or part of the structure. The story of two men is, you know, is basically two, two people start at the same point. And so if you're talking about weight loss, it's two people who are fat at the same time. If you're talking about rich-poor, it's two people who started their careers at the same time. They started business at the same time. They went to school together. Someplace there's a common starting point, and they're basically portrayed as identical people. And then over time, one gets all the benefits of the results that they're supposed to get, and the other one gets nothing. And what's the difference? So it's a version of problem-agitate-solve in the sense that 
Here the issue is setting up the difference. What is the differential between these two people? They were, they went to the same, they were, they were bred by the same type of parents, they grew up in the same type of neighborhoods, they went to the same kind of schools, they had the same kind of advantages, they started the same kind of jobs. How come one's this and the other one's that? And the difference, of course, is your doohickey. And in the Wall Street Journal letter, the difference is one guy reads the Wall Street Journal every day and the other one doesn't. You can use that formula all the time, I use it a lot. Recycle classic headlines, we talked about that. Um, uh, in addition to order forms, uh, often, particularly when selling information, uh, things like non-disclosure agreements, uh, confidentiality agreements, licensing agreements, they're ways to give added value and, uh, and mystery and um, uh, uh, interest, uh, pizzazz to what it is that you sell. Uh, apples to oranges. Uh, it's the only way you ought to do comparisons. Uh, never compare apples to apples, oranges to oranges. Uh, why on earth would you do that? The way to build value is to find some kind of apples to oranges comparison that you can use. In our business, in the information business, it is almost always time versus stuff. So it's seminars versus books and tapes, consulting versus books and tapes. So that if there's six hours of audio tape and consulting fee is $800 an hour, it's $4,800 worth of stuff. Uh, the last thing you want to do is compare tapes to tapes, you know, because you buy six tapes from Nightingale Conan for 39 bucks all day long. So you don't want to be comparing to that. Um, uh, sometimes it can be the cost of doing it versus the cost of not doing it. Um, the cost of doing it now versus waiting and doing it later. There's a TV commercial, it's an automotive business. You can pay me now or you can pay me later. Yeah, Fram, yeah. Um, uh, but you, want an, you, you don't want a product-to-product -product comparison. You want a, a, a separate comparison that obviously favors you. Uh, and it, does, and it, has, it doesn't have to make much sense, by the way. Forget logic. Because sometimes we compare cost of books to the cost of Big Macs. I mean, uh, no relationship except people spend money on Big Macs all the time. Uh, the cost of a set of tapes to getting your hair cut every day or each week for, three, for 52 weeks. Um, uh, so it doesn't necessarily have to be a great logical comparison, but it has to be a comparison that you can make work for you and that favors you. Basic or deluxe, we talked about that. Media quotes, we talked about that. Uh, this is a great click. Use this all the time. This came from Zig. It's a Sales Closing 101. It's uh, your decision, yes or no, ain't going to affect my life at all. I'm going to eat steak tonight whether you buy or don't buy. All right? But it could have an enormous effect on whether you eat steak or not. Okay. Um, uh, there's there, nothing new, and it's not rocket science, but variations of it get used a lot. It should get used a lot. It's very effective in dealing with the final uh, decision to act or not act. Yes? Well, in, in your case, you're already there. We're, we're selling over and above that already. But, um, uh, no, I mean, the question is, are you going to get to the point where the, no. Um, uh, uh, I'm always throwing it in their face, and I'm still Well, I mean, look, if you do it like that way, okay, uh, you know, I mean, if you do the Tom, you know, here I am in the hot tub with six babes, and there's my Rolls Royce, and I, you know, and, and I'm paying for it on your back. I mean, that, you know, that's, 
I mean, you know, that's offensive. Um, the, the point that has to be made by that thing is that you don't need their body. Not to the degree that you are lording a lifestyle over them that is so extravagant and that, it become, that it becomes arrogant. But, you know, the point is, is that uh, 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 what, is a, what, is a, what is a big decision for them perhaps is a non-decision for you. And essentially you're saying they have nothing to fear from you because you don't need their dough. Uh, and we all sort of instinctively know the people we need to fear the most are the ones who need something from us. Uh, and, and it doesn't matter to you whether any one person buys. The statistics are going to be the same whether he buys or he buys. Somebody's going to buy. Um, and, and so this close works over and over and over again. It's often used in PSs or toward the end of the letter. Um, uh, and, uh, and no, you can keep recycling it uh, and, and saying it slightly differently over and over and over again, and you're not going to wear it out. I haven't worn it out in 20 years. You've got a ways to go. Uh, the, uh, the warning type ad, the consumer alert, uh, warnings and subheads work real well. Warnings and headlines work real well. Uh, yes? Oh, does, does that work all the time? Okay. Well, I'll do more of that. Um, if you've got a complicated offer and you've done a long mail piece, you've got to have a summary. So you've got to summarize, here's everything you get. And you've got to summarize the value build and the discount. Um, uh, 19, uh, you know, is the exclusivity issue. Uh, this offer is not for everybody. Uh, um, you, you, you may not qualify. Uh, you may not be smart enough. You may not be tough enough. You may not be able to handle the truth. You may not, uh, you, you may not be ready. Um, that works for a variety of reasons. A lot of times people get their backs up about it. Um, and, uh, and, and often when you describe who it is not for, uh, they never see themselves there. The reaction is always a, he's not describing me. He may be describing a bunch of these other yamokes, but he's not describing me. Um, in, in group selling, um, we used to, uh, one of the closes, a variation of this often was, and I've seen it done by a number of different people in a number of different ways, but it was, you know, look around a room, look at each other, because a year from now, two-thirds of you aren't going to be here. Uh, well, nobody thinks they're going to be in the two-thirds. They all immediately say, well, that's not going to be me. I'm going to stick it out. I'm going to be him. So that thing works because no, nobody wants to be the one that this is not for. Uh, everybody wants to be the one that it is for. Uh, so that works. Uh, now, i got like 30 of those I use. And uh, as you'll see, a whole lot of what I do uses 8, 10, 12 of them each time, and they're used over and over and over and over and over again. You can do the same. You need a dozen, two dozen, three dozen at the most clicks on your dial. Uh, and you're going to be able to grind out all the copy you need, probably for your business, for a long time to uh, come. Huh? Uh, I don't have the rest of the list. You know, when I, when I started to think about this for this seminar, I haven't been working off of a list in years. I mean, it's here. And, and so to get this, what I did is I went through like three years' worth of, worth of my own swipe file, my own stuff, and identified what I was doing over and over and over and over again. And when I got to 19, I stopped because it's the most I could fit on a page. Um, <laughs> uh, but my guess is there's about 30. 
And yes, yeah, sometime I may go back, because I'd kind of like to have the checklist myself, to be honest with you, uh, so I may get back to it. Um, uh, and we may spot some others as we go through the exhibits that I missed, and then you can add them to your list, the back of the page is blank, um, for your convenience. Well, uh, let's start looking at exhibits. Um, and I will call your attention to some things. Uh, we'll look at mine and some of my client ones now. Tomorrow, of course, we will look at all of yours. Um, yes? Yeah, that's what this is all about. A list of five ways to do headlines, 12 ways to do this, four formats for this. Uh, see, the, the, yeah. Yeah, and as I said, my guess is, for the most part, I'm dealing with like 30 clicks. Uh, and I'm using them over and over and over and over and over again. Um, and, 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 and I don't want a new one, <laughs> you know, unless some of them stopped working. Uh, by narrowing my options, I can work faster. I only need 200 headlines. I don't need 500. You know, there may be 500 really good ones, but like 200 are plenty. Maybe 100 would be even better. You know, and so it's in time management. The principle is the less the less unassigned time you have, the easier it is to manage it because you got less of it. So you block out the same idea here. The less flexibility you got, not to a degree where you can't move, but the less flexibility you got, the faster you make decisions. Right? Hey. Yes. Yeah, the rule of creativity is don't. Um, I mean, you know, I mean, I often joke that, you know, I'm not sure I ever had an original idea in my life, but the older I get, the less interested I am in seeing one of those things. Um, I mean, really, invention is, is largely a giant waste of time. Um, when you stop, to, like the control pieces that are in here, better copywriters than I came up with those. Uh, so why should I invent from scratch and try and outsmart them when I can use what they did? Uh, why should I try and invent a new control when I can copy somebody else's control, move it from one business to the next, and be down and say speed? Prolific over good, and pro, you know, because good enough is good enough, and, and, and prolific over creative. See, we don't get any... When I go put money in the bank... They don't give me a bonus if I thought up the idea from scratch. You know, I don't even get a bonus from clients. See, the, the smart client doesn't care. Some would. But the smart client who pays me $15,000 to do a sales, if they, had, if they really smart, they'd rather have me do this than create something from scratch. Because if I create something from scratch, there's a pretty good chance I'm going to miss but if I'm taking proven stuff and stitching it together and smoothing out the rough edges, pretty good chance it's going to hit. So why create? Now, you don't want to be creative. Creativity is the bane of this business. I used to th when I got in advertising, I thought that was the deal. I thought it was this fun, creative, you know, I had visions of people sitting in a room, smoking funny stuff, thinking up names, you know. I thought, this is going to be fun, you know. Well, that, that's, if you want to make money in advertising, that ain't it. Yeah, who, yes. Yeah. 
Well, you're into logistical issues, and I'll tell you what, I'm going to table the question, and hopefully we'll have Q&A time for it, because it's really not a copywriting issue, okay? But keep it on your list, and let's see if we can get back to it. Yes? Okay. Uh, you want to know anything else, or is that, is that sufficient? <laughs> this is a memory test. This is not a question. Um, uh, which you're in trouble, by the way, because it started to go. Um, the, uh, the question is, how clear and specific should you be about what you want them to do, and when should you tell them, and how often should you tell them? The first question is, you must be very clear and specific. Um, uh, even dumb people follow good directions reasonably well. Often we don't get the results we want because the directions stink. You know? uh, and so you've got to tell them. A lot of sales letters are, you know, Zig says that in personal selling, there's, few, there's a lot of professional visitors, only a few professional salespeople. And the difference is the professional visitor stops short of asking for the order. Well, in direct response, the same thing happens. An awful lot of what crosses my desk is actually pretty good until it gets to the tell them what you want them to do, and then it gets all wimpy and fuzzy and apologetic. Uh, no, you've got to tell them, and you'll see over and over again in these pieces, real clear instructions. Here's what you do next. One, two, three, four. Got to be real clear. Certainly you tell them at the end where you close the sale. Uh, immediately before maybe a little reassurance or a closing story or an extra bonus, but it's close to the end. Uh, you tell them at least more than once because you tell them in, in a direct mail piece, you tell them in the body of the letter, you tell them again on the order form, uh, and it's conceivable you tell them again on another loose piece that might be the bottom of the guarantee certificate, you know, or whatever. Joe? Well, because it's, if, it's, if it's done in person, and I understand when people write copy, they sort of reflect how they would behave in person. Your copy reflects you. Uh, because in person, uh, people would rather have anything other than rejection. And so if you don't ask for a specific response, you don't risk rejection. So all of, all of your top sales pros would rather have a no than a maybe, because it gets them on to the next pitch. Uh, the, the worst salespeople in the world, and I had one who worked for me for about three years, they build up huge drawers of maybes. Not many yeses, no nos, but lots of maybes. And, uh, and they feel good about this because nobody has said no to them. But they don't push very hard, so nobody has to say no to them. And so now when, if they write copy, they translate that behavior into their copy. Uh, see, if you don't make a firm request, you don't risk rejection. You don't risk pissing anybody off. Uh, you don't risk being annoying. You don't, and to the degree that you do those things, you, know, you get, get results. Uh, let me take one more and then get into the exhibits, which some of these will answer questions as we go. When I read a sales letter, this repetition, it bores me to tears. However, the question I'm asking you, 
Do you read your sales letter and say what that sell me? No. Uh, I, no, you are not your customer. The question is, I see the letter. And I, see, almost every client says I'd never buy from that. Uh, and they're probably right, uh, but they're not the customer. Um, and uh, now I would have bought from my stuff some years. I was my customer. TJ, if he's still in the room, uh, in his market, maybe one of the best copywriters, in, I'd say top ten in the country, in selling to opportunity seekers. He's brilliant. And you should all be on their mailing list because there's application beyond their market. You should study their stuff because he does a phenomenal job uh, uh, because he was the customer. He's not the customer anymore, though. So he has to be able to put himself back to where he was five, six, seven years ago. Uh, but you can't, you can't do what will sell to you or please you. Uh, um, or like a close peer, or your spouse, or your, the only people that count are the ones who give you money. Um, no, I, most of the time, not every once in a while I will, but for the most part, like in my case, see I'm like Ron was saying earlier upstairs, uh, he's never looked at my video. Well, on my desk, I've got to tell you, I've got to stack this high of videos designed to sell me stuff I haven't looked at yet either, for the same reason he said, man, I'm too busy. I mean, and I value my time at 800 bucks an hour. I got, you know, they should be paying me. I've got things to do, but I, I'm not the customer. Thing. And, and I, for the most part, won't read a 16-page sales letter. I go to the order form and decide if I'm going to buy or not off the order form. But there ain't enough of me's to make money off of. Okay, so... The typical buyer, the customer. Bored by that that no, no, not unless you. But, but, but no, if he's trying to make a legitimate decision and he's into that, somebody that's an. Uh, what are you avid about? Not business, but what's your what's your hobby or your passion or your like? If you had all the money in the world, and didn't have to work, what would you spend your time doing? Castle. Yeah, but what would you do there once you were there? Besides, I, I started Okay. Um, if there, is there a magazine about that? Probably not. But I mean, if somebody sent you a 500-page book about people who had done that, uh, stories of people who retired, moved to Europe, bought castles, and started art collections, would you read the book? Probably. Now, you might not read a 500-page book about any other topic on the planet, but that you would. And so the trick is to, get, to match the message to the market and to be there when they're in heat because they'll pay more attention when they're revved up about something. Yes. Yes. Okay. Let's look at our first example. Let me point some things out to you. Um, the uh, the uh, headline, of course, is a grabber headline. It's one of the clicks on your pink click list. As you can see, I mean, it's as you can see, I've attached. Uh, here's why I've done this. Um, this particular letter basically leads with the guarantee. Uh, remember, you have to make a decision of what foot you're going to stick out first, what you're going to lead with. Are you going to, guarantee, are you going to lead with a big promise? Are you going to lead with a guarantee? Are you going to lead with the problem and the pain? Uh, what thing are you going to lead with first? Uh, this, as many of the pieces are of mine that I'm going to show you, of course, is selling, is preaching to the converted. Uh, it's selling to a house list of highly responsive customers. You would obviously have to do this differently 
if you were selling to degrade unwashed masses. Uh, if you drop down a little further and you get to where the pitch begins to move from guarantee into something else, you will see that I have slipped into problem and solution. Um, and um, uh, then if you go to the next page of this thing, um, another click, for those of you that are keeping score, you wanted to take notes on the back of the pink sheet, here's number 20. Uh, a 20th click would be you build value by describing all of the horrible pain and agony and effort and cost that went into making the thing. Uh, and so the jar of skincare glop is made more valuable by describing the global search for the ingredients that led us through the Himalayas to Tibet, down into volcanoes, uh, and wound up having to use uh, divers who could hold their breath for a long time, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, okay? Um, this block of copy at the top of this page is look at all the horrible things we went through in order to do this. Uh, the paragraph in the middle, at any time for any specific purpose, there's the, there's the core promise that will be repeated over and over and over again, sometimes said exactly the same way, sometimes said differently uh, throughout <laughs> this letter. Uh, following the promise are examples of what happens when the promise is uh, are realized. Uh, all things we have talked about before. Uh, subhead, um, we're into value building. The birth of the $58,800 book. Um, not new, by the way. If, you, if any of you have around the piece that is used uh, to sell the Ultimate Information Entrepreneur Manual, you will find very similar copy telling a very similar story. Um, the Ultimate Information Entrepreneur Manual letter uses a story about somebody wanting to pay to come dump all my file cabinets out on the floor and go through my file cabinets and how much they wanted to pay in order to do that. Uh, if you take a look at this story, uh, it's awful close to the same story. The reason it's awful close to the same story is two main reasons. One, I used the same story over again. And two, why would I do such a thing? Because it worked real well the first time. Uh, back to your question, Joe, can you keep going back to the well and telling them the same story? Yeah. If the, you need a little bit of time separation, but given a little bit of time separation, you can go back and keep telling them the same story over and over and over again. You've been listening to one of our gold members-only podcasts. Make sure you upgrade and become a Diamond member and get access to the Diamond members-only podcast as well. On top of that, you'll also get access to the whole enchilada with all Dan's courses and so much more. So make sure you upgrade to Diamond now by going to diamondupgrade.com.